Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. My podcast is called Living Life in My 30s. My name's Zoe and I'm actually not 30 yet. I'm two months off. But I don't know about everyone else, but I still refer to everyone in my school year. So all my friends are 30. But this podcast isn't just for those in your 30s or approaching your 30s. It's for everyone. It's about having someone to relate to, to talk about your stories, your issues, the expectations in quotation marks. And yeah, I'm hoping I can be that person you relate to, to share that with. So my first podcast is called Toxic Relationships, which will hopefully be a good insight into me and my troublesome relationship history, as well as what I'm hoping for out of love in the future. I really hope you enjoy it, and if you do, please give me feedback at livinglifeinmy30s at gmail.com, or if you want to share some stories or thoughts, then please do put that on as well. Anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and if not, just listen away. As I mentioned, today's podcast is Toxic Relationships. I'm sure there are many of you listening who've been in one, or if you haven't, please think yourself lucky. (laughs) You do not want to have one. Anyway, I'm going to talk about three of mine today. I've had many a relationship, but there are three that I want to highlight, and I want to highlight those because... One, I don't want any of you to make the same mistakes that I've made in my life. But also, it'll help some of you to either understand whether your relationship at the moment is toxic and whether it's something that you need to think about. Whether you're happy, whether you need to move on, or whether, you know, this is something that's got longevity in it. Because we deserve the best. I say this to my friends, we deserve the best. We deserve to be happy. And if you're in the wrong thing, then cut it off. You don't need that in your life. Get rid. And living life as a single woman, I am very happy right now. So if I can encourage people to embrace the relationships that will make you happy, then I have done my job. So, my first relationship. I, this is a big one. This is a really big one and hopefully gives you a bit of an insight into why I probably am single nowadays and also perhaps how I've handled (laughs) the later relationships as well. But this one was when I was 22. So I was 22, imagine this vivacious, bubbly, wild, innocent thing, (laughs) innocent-ish, innocent thing and I graduated from uni, I didn't quite not know what to do with my life, I didn't quite want to go into the real world, I wanted to live that uni life as it were, and the best thing for me to do was go on a ski season, I'd actually never skied or snowboarded before, and I still can't, I'm actually terrible, I went on the ski season and came back still incapable of doing anything like that, but that's one thing, we'll talk about that <laughs> further down the line. 
But anyway, on a ski season, if any of you have done it before or if any of you don't know about it, it's a great opportunity for 20-something-year-olds to meet other people, to live that lifestyle of going out all the time and try a different activity out. Obviously, you get to ski, snowboard, so it's great for everyone, really. I mean, obviously, there are recurring seasonaires, and those people obviously make a living out of it, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, for me, it was always a means to an end. So I was going to go on the ski season, do one, come back home, and then pursue something towards what I studied for my degree. And yeah, so basically, when I went out there, I admittedly got very drunk. I took the piss a little bit. And yeah, probably wasn't the best employee they have ever had. But you know, it was it was a good laugh and ultimately I made a lot of friends from it and I, you know, and can still message the management nowadays, which is great. But without thinking too much about it, I suppose one of the main things I remember from, from the ski season was that I didn't have the ability to text anyone. So it was back in the day when you could only use Wi-Fi because you'd get charged because you were in France using a UK SIM. God, that makes me feel old. <laughs> but yeah, so we made friends, but we, we didn't really contact each other. We just met each other in the hub. That's how close we were in vicinity. So we were just in each other's pockets all the time. So you knew who was on shift. You knew what people were doing. There was always people at the bar. You were never alone, really, and even though you didn't have that contact, it really wasn't a problem. So when I met my now ex-boyfriend, we actually spent day in, day out together, and at the start of the season, we were just friends, and I didn't realise that he had feelings towards me or fancied me until one night we went out to a club, and he kind of made a move on me and I wasn't really sure and I went I remember going home that night and I remember thinking hmm he made, he made a move on me am I interested or am I not but anyway obviously he was my ex-boyfriend so I did actually decide it was something I wanted to pursue and we got together in that six month period and we basically spent six months in each other's pockets living day in day out without each other's number and just being around each other and we also worked together so we worked behind the bar together and it was amazing it was really amazing one thing I do have to say about being on a ski season and something that's really noticeable is that you are in it in effect in a virtual reality because you don't have those ordinary communications because you're not leaving the complex because it's for a set period of time because your washing is done for you it all these things mean that you don't really feel like you're in a reality like when you get home you obviously pay your bills you wash up <laughs> but that's all done for you and I remember thinking that at the time that I could just, it was my escapism really. And 
what came apparent is that it was my ex-boyfriend's escapism as well. So when we were on the ski season, we acted like a normal couple. We did all these things together, got drunk, you know, did what normal couples do. And I remember one day asking him whether he was religious, and this is relevant. And he said no. And I remember him eating whatever, doing whatever. Anyway, uh, when we got back, because we decided that we were going to continue with our relationship despite a long distance, so he lived further afield than me. And me being where I was, I was worried about about how it would work. But anyway, we decided we were going to make it work, and we came back to the UK. He actually came to visit me where I was staying, and we endeavoured, planned to make it work and live together eventually. Anyway, when he came to see me, he actually disclosed that he was Muslim. And at the time, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, oh, cool, because I knew this person in this virtual reality and there was no reason that I didn't have what believe what he said about the way he was, I'd seen the way he was, and it didn't bother me, you know, there was no problem with him being Muslim at all. You know, why would there be if I've seen this person as they were? Anyway, the crux of it was that it was like a light switch. So he'd obviously used this uh, this experience on the ski season as an escapism. And coming back to the UK meant that that reality he had formed was only a virtual one. And the reality was was that he was a strict Muslim and actually a lot of the way I was and the things he would expect from me were things that I ultimately couldn't give to him. So as part of as part of some of the things that he said, he said he didn't drink, he prayed five times a day, uh, he didn't he only ate halal. He wasn't meant to be with someone non-religious as I was. And yeah, the list kind of went on. So this person that I got to know for six months, day in, day out, completely gaslighted me and told me that they expected me to be a Muslim in effect. And bearing in mind, I'm the least religious person that is. That's not to say that I disagree with the religion or anything like that. Like I said, it wasn't a problem to me of his religion. It was the expectation of me and the things that he wanted to do. And also this idea, this person that he'd presented to me, not being real. But by this point, I'd already fallen in love with him. I'd already fallen in love with the guy. So as a 22-year-old me, I was in love with someone who basically wasn't real. Um, it was too late, so I just stuck with it. So anyway, there, there was a long period of adjustment while I got used to the fact that my boyfriend was not who I thought they were. 
But because the feelings were still there, I continued with the relationship. I actually moved to London because it was very clear that he wasn't going to move in with me despite that being the plan. And I moved to London, I lived in my own little studio, I got on with my life and just continued. But all the while, hanging in the back of my mind, this, this sadness, because I knew that the person who I loved was someone who expected more of me. And potentially it was never going to work. I remember my mum talking about the relationship and I said that he is a strict Muslim. And she said, prepare to have your heart broken. <laughs> and that really hurt. That really hurt. Because I was like, why Why does that have to be the case? And quite right, there are occasions where it doesn't have to be the case. But in my case, because I didn't want to convert, because a lot of the values didn't align, I knew she was right. But I didn't want her to be right at all. <laughs> I didn't want her to be right at all, but she was. Um, looking back, there were so many things that were wrong. I was actually, you know, we would go on a night out, or we'd go, we'd go out for dinner, and I just really wanted a beer. <laughs> you know, as you do, I just really wanted a beer. But he would look at me and, as if to say, you shouldn't be drinking that. And there were times when. I, yeah, there were things I wanted to do, and, you know, he'd be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't eat that, or do that, or eat less, and those were small signs of manipulation that I didn't realise weren't healthy for me, I was just so blindsided by this person I loved, that I didn't know how to get out of this abuse, and I remember one day, because I went to go see his family, and his family were lovely to me. They were really, really, really nice. But then when we came back to London, when we were talking about it, it became apparent that his parents weren't happy with me the way I was. That it wasn't good that I wasn't religious. That it wasn't good that I was, you know, he was seeing me the way he was, being unclean. Um... It was difficult. It was really, really hard. How do you, how do you try and better that situation when you don't know what to do? And there was one time where, so my friend had actually gone to Pakistan for her friend's wedding. And so she knew a lot about Muslim weddings and how they were. Anyway, it's relevant because my ex-boyfriend rang me up on the phone and said you know my parents aren't happy with me just going over there and just doing this um you know either you need to convert or you need to do a nicker or we can just do this little prayer thing and he little prayer he called a nicker um at the time I was like well if that makes things better then sure why not <laughs> I rang my friend and I said, you know, he wants me to do a little prayer and it's called a nicker. Anyway, when I say she lost her shit, she lost her shit. She was like, Zoe, a nicker's a marriage. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But 
a nikah is actually a Muslim wedding ceremony. So while I was going to turn up in tracky bottoms, it was actually going to be my wedding ceremony, which is hilarious. Can you imagine me turning up in my Adidas and, yeah, then coming out as a missus? <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it's hilarious, but at the time it was pretty shocking. And you can imagine the conversation we had. So there was actually a time where I did say that I could potentially convert. Um, I said that to him, so he he did, to be fair to him, come over and say, you know, it's not fair on you. Um, I, because I was so besotted and in love, I said maybe I could convert. But <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. I like my drink. I like to do what, you know, people my age like to do. And I just, I wasn't familiar with doing Ramadan. I wasn't familiar with praying five times a day. I could barely wake up at 9pm, let alone get up for the morning, morning rise prayer. But that became very apparent. And it wasn't until a lot later that, probably like two and a half years of our relationship that I reached my breaking point when I realised that our relationship was becoming so toxic that I just was never going to be good enough. I remember feeling that way, that I was never going to be good enough. But then I have to give him his side. You know, from his side, he has this expectation of his family. He has his history. He has his culture. Um... He obviously wanted it to work with me, but knew that it couldn't unless I was to do these things. And I think it was hard for him to let go as much as it was for me as well. So we actually maintained contact for a very long time. And probably to a lot of people, we've had a very unhealthy breakup. It lasted probably on off for seven years total, our relationship of being friends, seeing each other, staying in contact, actually being in a relationship. Um, it was hard when you still love each other, when you still want to be with that person. You can say to someone all they all you like until you're blue in the face that you shouldn't be together, but it's not until you have that, that bombshell hit the ground and say you know this this <laughs> this is never gonna work and it has to come from you and your mind but I look back on that relationship and now I realize how brainwashed I was by love it sounds really lame to say but I was brainwashed by love and I was brainwashed by the idea of having this forever after with what I thought would be right. And sometimes love isn't enough. You know, it was very painful. It was hugely painful. It, the breakup is something I could, would never wish on my worst enemy. And it's something I will never forget. It will stay with me for the rest of my life. But... Sometimes love isn't enough. And I think that's my message to people today is if you are in a situation like that, you can't compromise your values. You can't compromise the way you feel about someone. and But you have to put your happiness and your values first because if they don't align, 
then it'll never work out, unfortunately. Yeah, so <laughs> that was a bit of therapy for me, I think. Bit of therapy talking about that relationship. And like I said, we've had ups and downs. Um, you know, I've had a message recently saying that he wants me back. But <laughs> it's quite nice to reflect on it now and say, you know, that door is shut. That boat has sailed. I am not interested anymore. And I need to look out for me. Because nothing has changed. His religion hasn't changed, his values haven't changed, and my ha mine haven't. So there's no point in revisiting something that there has been no change from the other party. You need to look forward, move forward, and believe in what you can do and what you can achieve with someone else, someone who's more compatible on that level. I, as much as I've talked about, you know, this emotional abuse, um, I call it abuse, I have to admit, I don't, I really don't think it came from a bad place from him. Um, I really don't think his intention was ever that. And I also don't think it's the intention of his family either. To, It was their culture, their religion and expectations. And that's something everyone should respect. It's just when you put emotions into the mix... It makes it really difficult for people to intertwine. Whew. So, yeah, that was one. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're ready for another. Um, this one will hopefully not be not be as intense. It's quite a, a short one in comparison. But this relationship was actually about. I want to say maybe two and a bit years after after the last relationship I just spoke about. And this relationship was when I moved to Leeds. So I moved to Leeds after living in London. And it was a great time for me because I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to do new things. And one of the first things I thought about, I'd just been traveling. So I was like, what am I going to do when I'm in Leeds? And... I decided to go on a date, as you do. I wanted to go on a date and meet someone, maybe have a relationship, that kind of thing. And the first date I went on was with this guy who, I'm not gonna lie, he was lovely. Uh, but he was his first, first hinge date as well. And we got on like a house on fire and we actually ended up seeing each other. We started seeing each other twice a week, as you do. Our relationship started to blossom and yeah, we got to a point where we were seeing so each other so often. He knew all my friends, I knew all his friends, we were doing loads of stuff, like we were going to gigs, venues, we do quiz nights with friends, that was a regular. But the problem was, was that he would never ever call me his girlfriend. So when I, that's a red flag people. In case you don't know. At the time I thought I didn't think much about, about it. Because when we were like three months in. I thought. Yeah well he will soon. Surely. Because we were doing everything a couple does. There wasn't much that we weren't doing. That meant you needed to put a label on it. So I let things continue. And when it got to six months. He still wouldn't say I was his girlfriend. 
and he was oh, I can't even remember how he approached it I think it was just he would never say not he would just say not yet um it would bug me why would why wasn't I his girlfriend we were doing everything that couples do we were everything apart from the labels so what was the issue and then we went on holiday together we went on holiday together uh, <laughs> you know we had an amazing time and by this point we've been together nine months nine months I mean who sticks around for nine months without a label on it I mean that was just silly of me but I did it because I was in love, because I didn't know what else to do, because I was silly, that kind of thing. Um, we came back from our holiday, and I think it was maybe three weeks later. Three weeks later, we went to a beer festival, and that night, he actually ended it and called it and broke up with me. Now, in hindsight, I always look back and I'm like, was that a breakup if we were never together? <laughs> was it? Was it? I have no idea. I mean, we went on holiday. We did everything a couple does. We went, we were together nine months. We were exclusive. So we had the exclusive chat. But we were never girlfriend and boyfriend. And I, I now feel a bit used. Well, I'm over it now. It's been a good two years since that relationship. But I was, th I, I just think, what was I? Was I anything meaningful? <laughs> Does he even remember me? Does he even call me an ex? <laughs> There's me, broken hearted. So after our relationship, I was absolutely torn apart. And all I could think was, well, because he didn't call me his girlfriend, was I actually anything to him? And was he even upset? And his reaction when we broke up, he, you know, he was in tears. He seemed emotional. But the reality was his feelings obviously weren't there if, if he would never commit to me. I got myself into this situationship when, with someone really emotionally unavailable. He'd been in a relationship for about seven years prior. And I was his first hinge date. And I think he was just testing the waters. So I was basically a guinea pig. And I'm very glad I was that guinea pig. Not. <laughs> um, yeah. I look back on that and it took me a very long time to get over. I'm going to be doing future podcasts on mental health. And this relationship I will actually talk about in detail because there were repercussions of my first relationship, which I talked about in the majority of the podcast at the beginning, and also this one, because I tell you what, dealing with two relationships like that in one go is pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy stuff, and not something I would recommend for the faint-hearted. So, the final one, that I want to talk about. Actually, a relationship that was, it was pretty recent. And yeah, pretty still fresh. I'm still going through the motions <laughs> of what actually happened. Um, I still can't quite comprehend what happened. <laughs> it's 
quite shocking. So I was seeing this guy, I was, I, well, I was seeing him for about five months in total, so not very long. But, you know, I'm, what, nearly 30 years old. I've had my fair share of relationships and <laughs> think, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to sort of grab the opportunity when it's there. And this guy was amazing, treating me like an absolute princess. Bearing in mind he has two children. Um, anyway, the crux of it is, I'm just going to cut to the chase right here. He ghosted me. The guy ghosted me. He was my boyfriend. And he has chosen to take the coward's way out and ghost me. <laughs> it's very embarrassing to talk about on a podcast. <laughs> but I'm going to laugh about it. And I think other people should too, if they've been through a similar situation. Essentially, we were going out for however long, and then, yeah, he just disappeared off the face of the planet. Um, No matter how much I, well, I tried to contact, but then I'm also, you know, I've got some self-worth, I've got my own self-respect, so there's only so much you chase, right? So I, you know, I've I've done the old. It would be nice to hear from you. <laughs> it would be nice to know what happened. Um, yeah, I'm hoping one day he'll actually message. But he has two children, and I was like, why would you ghost someone? Is that the way you want your children to react? Is that the way you want your children to be to women, or what you would happen want? to happen to your mother it's unbelievable it really is uh I can only assume I did something I mean I am I I mean obviously I've had crazy relationships and you'll hear from upcoming stories and podcasts later I've had crazy things happen in my life (laughs) but I don't think that warrants someone not talking to you or giving you the closure that you need it does happen on a daily basis right with dating apps and things like that people get ghosted on a daily basis but you should never expect it from uh, someone who you have a physical relationship with who you are called girlfriend and boyfriend and particularly not someone who's over 30 years old (sighs) feels good to talk about it anyway maybe maybe one day he'll actually get in touch maybe i'm not holding my breath I'm, you know, gonna full-on head out there into the single market and not look back. But who knows, maybe there'll be a stab of (laughs) conscience further down the line. That would be lovely. But, yeah. Oh, I'm exhausted after talking about all those. But I wanted to, you know, share these relationships with you because... As you can tell, they're really meaningful to me. Um, Hopefully you can either relate to some of them or not. The summary really from them is about being gaslighted. So gaslighted by someone who you love and, you know, what's real and what's not. And what you have to take at the moment is what's real now and whether your values align now. And, you know, from the second relationship, it's about not not accepting anything less than what you deserve. 
So, you know, if someone's not committing to you, then that is a red flag. It's a red flag and needs to be addressed. And ultimately, you need to be able to take the opportunity to walk away from the relationship. If you can't, if you, if you don't get that respect back, then why should you be giving it to them? And that's something I wish I'd done long ago, but I didn't because, because I was too chicken or too in love or all that rubbish. And then finally, the, the last one is ghosting is not okay. <laughs> ghosting is not okay. I don't think it's okay in any circumstance, really. I mean, sometimes, you know, obviously, it, like, relationships that don't really exist, um, not texting someone back on Tinder, you know, you can let that one slide. But it's still a bit rude, you know? You still need to have a bit of common courtesy. You still need to treat people with respect. And if someone doesn't show you that respect, then do not tolerate. I'm not saying play them at their own game, but don't tolerate it. Be the, a bigger person and walk away. <sighs> I need to have a lie down after this. <laughs> but I'm hoping that what I talked about today will give you some sort of reassurance that in any situation you're in, that other people have similar or go through worse. I'm hoping yours don't get much worse than mine. But if there's any relationship issues that you want to talk about or any situations, then please do share them. As I said, my email address is livinglifeinmy30s at gmail.com and I'd really love to hear your stories or your thoughts on my podcast or any advice for me. That would be great. Anyway, my name's Zoe and I've really enjoyed talking to you today and I hope that I can be of benefit to some of you out there having any situation problems at the moment. Speak soon!